Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Tony, one of the elders here at Hope, and um, it's a pleasure to stand before you guys and preach God's word. Uh, but before I preach, I want to say, you're going to hear a lot from what David said last Sunday, and I told him after he got done preaching last Sunday, hey man, you stole about 30% of my sermon. And we did not corroborate anything, but I think it will be good to hear some of the same stuff. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Father, I pray uh, right now and ask God that you would uh, use your word to uh, save, use your word to encourage, use your word to challenge uh, those that need to be challenged and encourage God. I pray that you will give us ears to hear. I pray that you will give us hearts and minds to understand. God, I pray that you would move me out of the way, um, that you will speak the words that you want your people to hear. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So thinking back to when I grew up, on the west side of town in Savannah. I remember my parents, my grandparents, my uncles, they used to always give me wise advice, wise advice. And y'all might remember some of these. I'm gonna read a few of them. Number one, if you keep saying dirty words, I'm gonna clean your mouth out with soap. I told this to some of the young people at Hope Bible Camp a couple weeks ago. Nothing, nobody, okay. Um, but my grandmother, she would tell me this when I would say mean and rude things to my sister. And the reason that I said this to the kids at camp is because we were discussing Isaiah 6 when Isaiah says that I am a man of unclean lips. So not the same idea, but you get it. Um, my mom used to say this one. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. So back then... You know, it, it didn't really hit me. But as I got old, I'm like, dang, my mom was savage. Like, she was really. <laughs> all right. Save for a rainy day. We all know what that means. Put something aside in case something unexpected happens. Grandfather told me that one. Uh, watch the company you keep. Be aware of the people that you hang around. Early bird catches the worm. Wake up early, get more done. And the last one is self-explanatory. Treat people the way you want to be treated. So my family, my uh, parents, they told me these things, which are good things to keep me from making bad decisions. These aren't necessarily godly sayings, but they came from a place of love, their experience, and that's somewhat good for normal living. On the flip side, they also told us a bunch of foolishness, if we're honest. They told us a bunch of stuff that made absolutely no sense. And in hindsight, we know why. Some of our family members at that time, they were not followers of Christ. They were not followers of Jesus. And even those of us in here, if we're honest, sometimes we tell our kids foolish things, foolish things. And we do a lot of things for the most part based on what we have learned, our own experiences. Um, and experience is good. Experience is good. But we should not base our decisions solely on that. So what about godly living? Where do we get true advice? Where do we get godly wisdom? Who is the best and greatest source of wisdom? Obviously, God is our Heavenly Father. We know that logically, but at times we forget and we run back to that wisdom that we got from our parents and our uncles and sometimes even our own wisdom. 
All over the scriptures, we see that true wisdom is from God himself. He's filled with knowledge and wisdom for those that seek him. The Bible tells us in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And regarded as the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon. When he was given the kingdom, what did he ask for? He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for wealth. He asked God for wisdom. He asked God for wisdom. He knew what he really needed, and he knew where to get it. So this morning, we're going to look at Proverbs 9, and my Bible is in Proverbs 8. Um, And we're going to look at true wisdom. What does true wisdom provide, and how does it differentiate from folly or foolishness? But before I do that, I want to give you a definition. Taking notes, now's a good time to go ahead and get your pen and your pad out. Biblical wisdom is exhibiting a fear of God in every aspect of one's life with regards to primarily, but not exclusively, decision-making and moral living according to God's word. Biblical wisdom is exhibiting a fear of God in every aspect of one's life with regards to primarily, but not exclusively, decision-making, and moral living according to God's word. Where do I get this? Where do I find this? I definitely didn't get it from Webster's. Didn't get it from dictionary.com. I got it from God's word. So let's quickly dissect this definition. Um, And I want to do it in three parts according to God's word. So wisdom in regards to fearing God, wisdom in regards to every aspect of one's life, and wisdom in regards to God's word. So wisdom in regards to fearing God. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 15, 33, The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. Proverbs 1, 11, 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have good understanding. So wisdom begins with fearing the Lord. Wisdom in regards to every aspect of one's life. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So, Wisdom from God requires us to be all in. It's no one foot out, one foot in. When I was coaching at Haversham and I huddle, we would have this breakdown. Timeout was ending. Everybody put their hands in. All in on three. One, two, three. All in. What does that mean? That means no matter if you're the best player or the worst player on this team, you had to be committed to the team. You had to be committed to the team. There's no such thing as a halfway follower of Jesus. You're either in or you out. And lastly, wisdom in regards to God's word. Psalm 119, 98 and 99. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. True wisdom is found in what God says. It's found right here in God's word. So now, that we have a definition of biblical wisdom. Uh, Let's look at Proverbs chapter nine, and I'm gonna read it in its entirety. 
and then we'll discuss it. Verse 1, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abused. And he who reproves a wicked man incur, excuse me, incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So we see here that wisdom and folly, they're personified as two women. Uh, these two women are totally different, totally opposed to one another. One provides hope. The other provides despair. One is life-giving. Um, the other brings death. One is wise. The other is foolish. One commentator says, this chapter gives us, one, a description of these women, two, an invitation to the simple or those that lack sense, and three, information about where each invitation will lead. So we will, we're going to look at these two women in light of these three categories, because I thought that was a pretty good breakdown. Um, so first, Lady Wisdom. Let's read how she is described. Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars, she has slaughtered her beasts, she has mixed her wine, she's also set her table, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town, whoever is simple, let him turn in here, to him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So I've never built a house before, never done it, but... Is David Stewart in here anywhere? Where's David? Is he in here? Yeah, David Stewart. David, I'm pretty sure you know what it takes to build a house, or at least what it is to repair one or remodel one. Um, but the writer here says that wisdom has built her house. She knows what it means to, to work hard. She knows what it means to be patient and diligent until her work is complete. Lady Wisdom also knows the skill and knowledge needed to build properly. Writer goes on to say, she has hewn her seven pillars. My screen guy, you ready? All right. So when I think about pillars, being a kid from Savannah, I automatically think about the Bull Street Library. Uh, my grandmother, she worked there for 35 years, and I remember seeing those things when I would go there with her. Um, and I have a couple pictures. So Bull Street Library, got two pillars right there in the front. As you can see, that's a pretty huge building, and it only has two pillars. Um, the next one, 
It's a White House. Everybody knows that one. Uh, got four big pillars in the front. And next one, White House also has pillars on the back. So, fun fact, I did not know that the first picture and the same picture were the same building. I, I've never seen the back of the White House. Never seen the back of the White House. Um, next one. My family and I, some of you may have been here, Lincoln Memorial. It's a ton of pillars there. Didn't count, but it's a lot. And lastly, a place that is not too popular with many people right now. It's a stock exchange. The market is doing terrible right now. So pillars are these column-like structures that are used to keep a building or house from collapsing. They provide added security, added stability for a house or building. Um, so with that in mind, and I'm not sure if this is symbolic or not, but I found this pretty amazing. Uh, if you got your Bible, turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. All right. James 3, 13 through 17. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere. A seven. I'm not sure if they're related, but I just thought that was very interesting. These are seven characteristics of wisdom that come from above. And I just found that, like I said, very amazing. Wisdom has built her house upon pillars that bear the fruit of godliness in the life of one who chooses to follow her. All right. So back to Proverbs 9, verses 2 and 3. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. So to me, it sounds like wisdom is preparing some type of feast, banquet. And I want us to notice the sense of ownership here. This will be important when we get to the description of Lady Folly. It says she has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places. And then in verse five, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. These are her possessions. The implication is that she worked for and earned these things. And one last thing I want to point out about wisdom, um, and we'll talk about this more later. In verse 3, it says, she has sent out her young women to call. Wisdom has a Twitter account. She has followers. She has followers. They have heard and responded to wisdom's call and now they are being dispatched to urge others to do the same. So that's the description of Lady Wisdom. So let's look at her invitation. I promise you, this is not going to take long. It's not. Once we get to Lady Folly, it's going to be very fast. All right. So she's preparing a feast. It says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. So she has sent her young woman out with this invite to those that are simple and to those that lack sense. What does she have to say to those that are simple and lack sense? Verse seven, 
Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. So, have you ever tried, y'all may find this really funny because it's so true. Have you ever tried to advise someone about something that they asked you for advice for? Then when you give them that advice, they're like, no, 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 never mind, never mind, no, no, no. You ask me for the advice. You ask me. I give you the advice you ask me for, and you blow me off. I think it's because when people really ask for advice, they want you to tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Or maybe you've been that person. Maybe you've been that person. That is what is in mind here. Wisdom is telling us, don't waste your time with people who are going to blow you off. Don't waste your time with people. Some people don't desire to be wise. They desire to continue in their folly. And I think about this when it comes to evangelism. And I love this verse in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, don't give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Some people will continue in their sin until Jesus returns or until he takes the breath out of their lungs. It is not on us to change them, but it is on us to preach the gospel It is on us to plant and to water. God is responsible for the increase. On the other hand, do not reprove, I'm sorry, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Those that desire to be wise, those that desire the righteousness of God and the wisdom that comes from him will respond to correction and advice in a way that shows that they want to grow even more in wisdom. My wife says this all the time. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to be. Everybody hates being corrected. We say we want accountability. Nobody likes to be corrected. But the wise man, he sees the benefit in it and he has the end goal in mind. So we've looked at wisdom's description and her invitation. And let's look at where her invite leads. Where does it lead those who accept it? Verse six, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Verse 11, for by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Following the way of wisdom brings great benefits, namely a long, joyful, and insightful life. All right, so that's Lady Wisdom. Let's look at Lady Folly, verses 13 through 18. The woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places in the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Verse 13 says she is loud, she is seductive, and knows nothing. I like the way the CSB says it. It says, Folly is a rowdy woman. She is gullible and knows nothing. She's out of control. She seeks pleasure just for the sake of pleasure. She's easily persuaded, easily misguided. She has no knowledge. In our current culture and climate, she will be what the kids call a free spirit. She has no concern or care for what happens or how it happens. 
She just wants to be a part of it. Verses 14 and 15 says, She sits at the door of her house, takes a seat on the highest places in the town, calling to those who pass by. When compared with Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly, her Twitter account has been deactivated. She has no followers. No one goes out from her to call because everyone who has accepted her invitation, they have wasted away. So she has to do it herself. And notice, she's sitting down. Wisdom's young women were actively seeking and going out, calling those who are simple. So what is her, Lady Folly's, what is her invitation entail? Verse 17 and 18. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Compared to the feasts that the simple and those that lack sense get from Lady Wisdom, this is a Lunchable. My kids love Lunchable. It's temporary. It's not filling. And it is stolen. She doesn't even prepare the feast on her own. She steals it and treats it as it is her own. And what is the result of her invitation? He does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Those that follow Lady Folly eventually waste away and die. Her house is a graveyard filled with those that she has deceived into thinking that foolishness is long-lasting. So I want to give some stats from this chapter. I want you to look at how brief the section is on Lady Folly. Six out of the 18 verses are dedicated to Folly. It's temporary. It's fleeting. There's no sustenance. There are no pillars. There's no foundation. So how does this apply to us? How does this apply to us? I got three takeaways for you. If you desire to be wise, ask God for wisdom. Follow the example of Solomon. Ask God for wisdom. Pastor David said this last week. Lay it out before God and ask. I've read this already, but James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Trust and believe that God wants to give you wisdom. Number two, find a wise person to spend time with. One of the sayings that my grandmother told me does hold true. Watch the company you keep. If you desire to grow in wisdom, read God's word. Spend time with people who want to read God's word. Find you a mentor. Find you an older person, seasoned. Let me not say older. Um, and listen to him. Listen to him. One of the greatest men in my life, John Chittister, has taught me so many things. Marriage, finances, even gardening. I don't have a garden, but... I'm like, why, why do I need to know this, John? Well, you never know. You might need some tomatoes one day. Um, but listen to them, especially if they tell you what you need to hear, especially if they're telling you what you need to hear. And number three, let the foolishness go. As we all know, it's a lot of foolishness in our world right now, especially in this current culture and climate. Everybody has an opinion about everything. So I started a couple of months ago a podcast and it's a basketball podcast. But the more and more I look around, I'm like, man, everybody has a podcast. About every, everybody has something to say. Everybody. But as followers of Christ, we have to be able to discern, well, what do we want to listen to? What are we going to pay attention to? And if you are not a follower of Jesus in here, and you know that your life is filled with foolishness, Come talk to one of us, one of the guys with the green tags, anybody that's a member here at Hope. Um, 
I don't want to get emotional. But I just remember growing up, I took part in a lot of foolishness. I took part in a lot of foolishness. And even now, when I hear some of the foolishness that not just young people, because older people back then would say, man, these young people don't know what they're talking about. But even some older people, I hear some of the foolishness. And it just remind, reminds me of how foolish that I once was. Just reminds me of how foolish I once was. But God, he has called me out of that. And if you're not a follower of Christ and you're hearing this, he may be calling you out of a life of foolishness into a life of wisdom. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word to your people. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that we would pray for wisdom. I pray that we will ask you in faith and not doubt. God, I pray that we will leave here encouraged, that we will leave here challenged, um, and that we will honor you in the way we live our lives according to your word. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.